What's going on, guys? Thank you for joining us today on the Esports Supply Podcast, the Collegiate Series. I'm your host, Deron, a.k.a. Deronimo. The purpose of this podcast is to give you guys the inside scoop from the colleges and universities that have already started their esports program. Now, let's get started. Appreciate it, guys, for joining me on this esports podcast. We're going to be talking about your guys' program at Shenandoah University. If you guys can, introduce yourselves and you know, explain a little bit about how you guys started in your role at your university. Sure. Uh, I'll start first. My name is uh, Dr. Joey Gariziak. I'm the director of eSports at Shenandoah University. Uh, what that means is that I kind of oversee our program that we have here that's two years old. We have a varsity program that's been competed in NACE for the last two years. Um, we also have an academic program that we just started teaching this last year. So we're one year into it and we're offering numerous new academic programs going into next year. So I got the role because I was a professor of sport management at Shenandoah University already. Um, my research has been in gaming and esports for the past six years. So I've been teaching classes, doing some research, writing some articles and books. And uh, we decided to really get involved in esports. And so we started the varsity program and I was in charge of that for a full year. And then going into this year, I was able to make a couple of hires and bring some people on board full-time officially. And so I was going to move to the director position so I could oversee all parts of it. And that's kind of how I got started at Shenandoah. Okay. Zach? Yeah, my name is Zach Harrington. I'm the assistant director and head coach of esports at Shenandoah University. What that means is I'm mostly in charge of the competitive side. So I coach directly three of the teams we have right now, which is Overwatch, Rocket League, and Super Smash Brothers. Um, we're looking at different games to add next year, of course. And I got into the role, actually, a mutual friend of Joey's of mine uh, introduced me to Joey a little over, about two years ago, I suppose. And I started volunteering as a coach for the Rocket League team. So for that whole first year, I just volunteered. I was working another full-time job and pretty much spending all my free time helping out uh, with the program and everything. So when the program grew enough and there was an opportunity for Joey to hire somebody on, you know, I was there and uh, I was lucky enough to get that job. Awesome. That's, I love, I love that. All right. So, hey, real quick, guys, what department is your, your program under? Is it under athletics or is it under student life? Neither. We, uh, we're, we're actually <laughs> under academics um, because we do have that academic major. So we just have the entire esports program falls under academics, which is run out of our business school at Shenandoah. Um, we started our first year competitively under student engagement, but with the new major and academic program coming on board, it made sense to kind of move everything together so that I could just oversee all of it to kind of streamline the process to make all the decision making a lot easier, a lot quicker. So we actually have it under academics. We're one of just a few schools. Boise State also under academics um, with us. So yeah, a couple of schools have it there, but most of them will be under athletics or student engagement. It just made sense for us to be under academics. Okay. How'd, how'd you guys make that decision? Why'd you guys do that and do it like that? Yeah. So we started when, when I was exploring this whole idea of having a competitive team, I met with our athletic director at the time, Dr. Bridget Lyons, and she and I sat down and I thought putting esports and in, in athletics was going to be the perfect place. But after kind of reading about it a little bit, talking to her, looking at different um, rules and regulations, we quickly realized that maybe it doesn't make sense. She has no idea what esports is, and that's fine. And, and you know, so I would have had to go through this process where the decisions go from me to her, and she'd be like, well, what does this mean? What are the implications? So it would have kind of convoluted the process. But it was also the fact that our esports students can, you know, make money by competing in these tournaments at the collegiate level where other NCAA students could not. And esports is not considered an, an NCAA activity or sport. And so it didn't make sense for us as an NCAA school to kind of put it under athletics at the time. 
So we started in student engagement. And, and so that was, a, that was a good start. It helped us with our funding to get students involved and engaged on campus, which is kind of the point of having that, that office there. But they put us under club sports, which for club sports, they're student-run programs. And for us, as Zach kind of alluded to, we had coaches we were bringing in. We, had, we were using university money to fund travel, to fund um, getting equipment for the program. This was not student-run. This was much more organized, much more formal. So it looked like a varsity activity, but living under club sports. So we were in this like weird space. It was like, we got to get out and do our own thing. Uh, and I knew the academic side was coming because I was developing this program for a full year before it started this year. And so looking at what Boise State had, looking at maybe let's just put it all together. And there's nothing that says you have to be in either engagement or athletics. You can, it's esports. At this point, you can pretty much do whatever you want. It's crazy out there. It's the Wild West. So we were kind of paving our own path and doing what made sense for us. And so by putting it under academics for us, again, it just kind of made it really simple. You know, we get our funding from the academic departments, but we do additional funding for the, for the competitive side from our university. So I skip a lot of that, the, the middle people in the process, and it goes straight from the assistant vice president for finance to me for my budget. And so I'm, I can control the budget. I control spending much easier. We have a lot more freedom, and it really streamlines the process. But it also allows us to engage our academic with our competitive side almost seamlessly to really benefit both sides of it, where the students can benefit by working with our competitive teams in our new arena, running events for them, promoting them, and the students on the competitive team kind of get this feeling that this is legitimate. We have, we have people working with us to promote our brand, promote our image, run streams for us, uh, where it feels like this really cool, legitimate program, and they really belong on our campus. So again, having everything kind of bundled together under academics just made the most sense for us. It doesn't for every school, that's for sure. Um, right. But for us at Shenandoah, it just made the most sense. So with, so the second year, you added the academic side of it, right? Correct. Yeah. So what's the, what's the, is it a degree that you're adding on to for it? Yeah. So we started teaching, it's a, it's a bachelor's of science in esports. Um, we, we started, I was teaching an esports class out of sport management, which is my background, uh, the fall of 2018. Uh, and that kind of, during that time, I was developing this academic major, which takes a long time at universities to get this approval and, and go through this rigmarole of going through academic affairs to get a, a full major approved. But during that time, I was, you know, creating these courses and uh, learning objectives and course descriptions, those kind of things. So we have a Bachelor of Science in eSports with two different tracks, one in management, one in media and communication. We also have a minor in eSports management. Those were all the first year just finished this year. So we began teaching all three of those in the fall 2019. So fall 19, spring 20, now we're into the summer teaching some more courses. But we just added, I just got approval in May to add a number of new offerings. We have online certificates for an undergraduate esports management certificate, a graduate esports management certificate, uh, an esports coaching certificate, which Zach, Zach will be heavily involved in. We also have an undergraduate concentration in business and esports management. And we added an MBA concentration in esports uh, for grad students to, to add on to an MBA um, in our business school. Wow. Dang. You guys are killing it right now then. All right. <laughs> I, I didn't know all that. All right. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, you know, one of few schools that has the academic program. But, man, I'm telling you, there are a lot of new schools that are coming up with these um, to offer more than just gaming, you know, and that's what, the way that we've always seen esports at Shenandoah is we're not training our students to be the next professional gamers. And Zach will be the first person to tell you that, um, you know, we're, we're fine and we compete really well in games, especially Rocket League. 
But our students know full well that professional gaming is not probably going to be their future. That's, it's just like professional sports. So we really wanted to make sure that we are offering much more than just the gaming side, that we're offering an opportunity for our students to work in the industry, an industry they love and have passion for, and to offer them something that a lot of schools just could, weren't able to offer. You know, the fact that I was teaching this and researching this, it really helped to develop it. The fact that we have such a great program that Zach has helped really just c- kind of gel really well together, and he's going to be teaching these programs as well. Um, we were able to hire people to help teach that are researching esports and work in the industry. Um, so it's all really come together. Um, and so we're really in a great situation at Shenandoah that we can be involved much more on just the competitive side, which we love the competitive side. But it, esports is so much more than just gaming. And so we just wanted to make sure to offer our students that. Okay. What, what conferences are you guys part of right now? So we currently compete in NACE, uh, National Association of Collegiate Esports. So that's the biggest one we compete in. We're also part of TESPA. On the, on the athletic side, Shenandoah is part of the ODAC Division Three, the Old Dominion Athletic Conference in Division Three. Okay. Um, and so we keep some of that same model in that we don't offer scholarships for our esports students, which a lot of schools do offer at least partial scholarships. But again, it kind of goes with the model of Shenandoah. We wanted to keep our esports students equal to our football, baseball, basketball players in a lot of regard. And so we didn't create this, this in-group, out-group mentality. You know, we're all in it together at SU. Um, and so we don't offer scholarships. We offer opportunity instead. So we're part of NACE. And we compete in TESPA. Zach, what else is it that we compete in? What other associations do we compete around? Collegiate Star League is the other big one. Uh, yep. And that's for your, for your uh, Rocket League? Do you guys have a League of Legends team too? We do, yeah. And uh, yeah, League competes uh, exclusively in Collegiate Star League. Okay, gotcha. All right. How, how many, so part of your program, do you guys also have a club or is it just completely varsity? So Zach, we, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we do have club teams. Uh, we actually noticed they started to spring up um, about halfway through the semester, and it's for games that we just didn't support at the beginning. So we have like a Counter-Strike uh, Go club team who actually did really well, um, and we've had interest uh, pop up in some Fortnite competitions, some Call of Duty kind of stuff. But the games that we support on a varsity level currently are Overwatch, League of Legends, Rocket League, Super Smash Brothers, and... Am I missing something, Joey? Man, my brain is just... We're looking at Valorant for next right year. We're not, sure, we're not sure where Valorant's going to fall yet. But right. yeah, so, so yeah, we do have a couple, as Zach said, a couple of club teams that are... Those are the student-run ones that have to schedule their practices around the varsity teams. They don't have an official coach. We don't, we don't provide them uniforms or jerseys. So they are, they are clubs. But we're looking at maybe moving some of those into the varsity level going into next year, depending on budget, depending on student interest. And, and so, yeah, we do have a couple of club teams we don't, we don't turn anybody away. If there's an interest in gaming, we're going to find a spot for them to game at the varsity club, recreationally in our arena. We'll find a spot for everybody at SU to, to come and game and do what they love. Okay. And for last year, how many, how many students did you guys have competing? Uh, it was about around about 40 is, is the number that I kind of hung out through, uh, throughout the year. And that's just, com- that's your, your varsity team, right? That's not including your club players or anything like that. Your student right. ones. Correct. Do you, guys, do you guys have the numbers for the club ones? Uh, club was, I believe there were seven players on the Counter-Strike Go team. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, Counter-Strike Go was really the only, only big club activity that we had last year. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. And then so during this COVID time, so spring, when, when spring happened, how, how, how did that affect you guys? Boy, um, I'll start with this one, Zach, and then I'll let you try <laughs> it a little bit. It's, sure. This Man, it's, it's such a good question. We hear it all the time, obviously, with what's going on right now. So when COVID hit, everything just kind of stopped, 
right? right. Um, kind of like the rest of the world. Everything just kind of stop for a little while, take a breath, reassess what's going on. How can we get back involved? How can we start doing things? But there was like a two-week period where esports stopped. And I know people are like, well, it's esports. You can compete online. It probably just kept going, didn't get affected. That's yep. completely wrong. No, it was totally it affected. Yeah, yeah, it was stopped. totally affected. It, it stopped. I mean, we couldn't because we were competing on our campus at Shenandoah in our new arena. And we couldn't do that anymore because students couldn't be on campus. And so they were going home. So we had, Zach and I had to work with our students who has access to gaming PCs or the ability to play while they're at home reliable internet connection, those kind of things. And so we, we stopped for a while. And I'm, what I'm, I'll talk about real quick, and I'll let Zach cover the SU part. I'm part of the competition council for NACE. And we even as a council stopped for a little while and said, we got to reassess. You know, what can we do? What can we still offer our students, our member students, for 180 different schools to still keep students engaged? Because we want to make sure that we're offering this opportunity to keep them engaged during these really difficult times and not completely shut off. Because esports can happen. It takes some, some extra finagling. Right. But esports can happen where baseball, basketball, football, those couldn't happen. You couldn't make those work. So for NACE, we started about two, after about two weeks of a just, let's take a deep breath, figure things out. We started offering these smaller competitions for schools to engage in if they just wanted to and if they were able to. There wasn't like an official ceremony, no official championships right. for it, just something I, for students to do. I do remember seeing the post that I think either you or Boise mentioned it on the NACE channel, on the Discord yeah. channel saying, hey, let's team up, let's do something. You know, I, I started seeing that movement happen on your, you guys did it on your own, right? You guys didn't have, it wasn't NACE directed. Right, right. right. Uh, and then NACE did get more involved in it eventually. Okay. And, and then down the road, they, start, they did offer some kind of side tournaments for Overwatch, Rocket League, CSGO, yeah. and I think Fortnite with some prize money at the end as we started getting into late April and May. Um, and so, you know, for COVID, again, it kind of stopped everything for a couple of weeks. Uh, at Shenandoah, you know, I'll let Zach talk about how practices are going, how the teams are organized and all that. But even going into next year. I didn't text her yet. I'm busy. Um, Sorry. <laughs> uh, going into going into next year we're working on Zach and I are working on you know what is what is it going to look like what is the arena going to look like what are the the regulations and rules we're going to have in place with face masks with social distancing you know how many people in the arena at one time how long they can spend in the arena those kind of things um, but Zach talk about like what the program looked like how teams were still organizing and practicing during this time sure so as Joey mentioned you know we kind of had to assess the situation and and figure out who could actually play because not all of our students, even at the varsity level, have their own home PCs. And some, some of them even at home home, you know, their internet's not good enough to compete or the PC they have at home isn't that great. So I, it was a struggle getting people together. And, and what we also kind of saw, which is kind of consistent with not only students, but I think even like through the professional world was there was definitely a level of apathy that kind of took hold uh, at a certain point where people were just kind of feeling like, you know, what's the points. Um, but we still tried to offer some activity and uh, kind of gauge their interest to see, you know, do we have enough people? Can we still do practices? Initially, when everything was shut down, we kind of put everything on hold. We weren't sure what was going to happen. But as, as these competitions started to open back up, you know, we looked for opportunities for the students to get together. We kind of, in some cases, allowed them to organize themselves with whoever they could get together to play, whether it be, you know, somebody from the varsity team or somebody who's on one of the B teams, you know, it didn't really matter as long as, 
they could get together and play. So it's been just kind of a mis uh, mishmash. Um, what we also tried to offer aside from competition is we were able to offer uh, continuing to pay our work studies as long as there was something they could do remotely. So one okay. thing that we really leaned heavily on was we encouraged them to do live streaming stuff. So we had a group of like four students who got together and they, they did a weekly plan for our live stream kind of thing. So we, we looked at other ways other than just competing to keep the uh, students involved. Are you guys streaming out of Twitch? Yes. Are you? Okay. And so for your four students that are, that are, that did that, your work studies, uh, were they, did they just do it at home and streaming from home with just their, cam the, their cameras or anything like that? Or, or were yes. they streaming other players gameplay? Yeah. So, so they did it from home. We also did a few broadcasts where we just casted a couple of the matches. We, okay. we casted some Rocket League matches. But for the, the students who did the weekly stream, they did all that stuff from home. They coordinated with me. I kind of laid out a plan, like, here's what we need. We need, you know, this many hours. You need to broad have some sort of schedule and do it consistently. You need to come up with names, something catchy, et cetera, et cetera. And I actually ended up lending them some webcams from the arena because they didn't have their own. So okay. we still supported them through the process, but it was all pretty much done by themselves uh, on their own time from home. And they all coordinated it, get coordinated it together. Is, was it under the Shenandoah University uh, Twitch channel? Yep, correct. Did you guys, during that time, did you guys see a jump in viewership? We actually had pretty decent viewership when we actually broadcast these events, yeah. Um, more so okay. than we really had throughout the year. But, you know, with with these, we kind of leaned on them and we're like, hey, you know, here's something that's going on. If you're bored, tune in, you know, check this out. We're still we're still doing stuff through the quarantine. You know, we know you guys are bored. So, you know, come come hang out for a minute and chat and whatnot. So we actually had pretty decent viewership that exceeded what we had done in the past during those times. During, so the cool thing is like during this quarantine, I mean, it's not that, you know, Corona's happening and whatnot, but it kind of boosted. It did slow down esports from the, the very beginning. But like Joe, you were saying, like it kind of picked up, right? And it helped, I know what we noticed was it helped on the streaming side, you know, putting out content for viewership. Because, I mean, people weren't being, you know, you, you, people aren't allowed to play football, soccer, any kind of contact sport, right? And so creating like, so we helped a lot of, a lot of organizations build like a content creating platform for them to make their streams like a lot more better. I don't know if you guys have, have you guys checked out the NBA 2K League on ESPN2? So like, they're on, you know, they're on ESPN and just how yeah. the, the production of it, that's like our product that we help them with or oh, that cool. our partners help them out with. And so like okay. it took their viewership from like, you know, just looking at the camera, you know, for <laughs> in traditional gameplay or watching gameplay through Twitch, it kind of maximized their potential, what they can put on screen, the real estate basically. And it made it really, really professional looking. It was pretty, it's pretty neat. After this, I'll show you guys so you guys can check yeah. it out. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so going on to the next question, so you, the times that you guys pick, is it all off of, off of a student engagement? Sorry, say that again? Like the titles that you guys oh, pick titles. to compete, is it all through student interest or do you guys kind of like recruit for certain t titles and say, hey, this is, this is, we have an opening for this? Yeah, um, the, the way it all started was all student interest. You okay. know, when we got started um, back two years ago, I, I had a first interest meeting and I just laid out like nine pieces of paper and said, Who's interested? And I just started labeling some games. Um, and so it was all based off student interest. It's also based off what other schools are playing. I mean, Overwatch, Rocket League, League of Legends are the top three for NACE schools. Right. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that we had enough schools to scrimmage against, to compete against, to have meaningful competitions. Because if you're picking a game that only like three other schools play, it's not real exciting because you're playing against the same schools over and over and over again. So you want to have 
that larger sample that a lot of schools are interested in. Uh, so you can have a more meaningful kind of varied uh, competition schedule and kind of more thorough. So we leaned on that, the student interest side of things. When, I, when we started, I tried to force one game to play because it was offered by NACE and NACE really wanted teams to compete in it. It was Smite and oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Smite did not go well. Um, yeah. So I learned quickly, <laughs> do not try to force a game and try to recruit students for that game and try to force them to play. Go with what the students are playing. Go with what they're interested in. It makes for a much easier, much smoother competition. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I remember. I remember pushing Smite early on. And Paladins too. That was. I mean, yep. I was like, I'm not even gonna try Paladins. I'll try to get Smite, but I'm not even gonna touch Paladins. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so for your guys' space, your arena is it newly built? Did you guys just build it this past year? Yeah. So Zach and I last summer, when Zach officially got hired, finally, um, instead of volunteering, um, <laughs> last summer he and I kind of sat down with our physical plant on campus, and we had we worked with a company out of North Carolina to take an existing space, which is an old armory building that we have on our campus at, at, at SU, that was being used to house like the physical plant equipment. Uh, we had a, a parade float stored in there. We had paint cans all <laughs> over the place. So we cleared it all out and we renovated the space to be our new esports arena. And it's, uh, it's not the biggest space on campus. It's 1,571 square feet. I know that okay. number at the back of my hand at this point. Um, and so about 40 by 40 is what it comes out to. And, but it's got high ceilings, which makes it kind of feel bigger. Uh, but then it's also got additional rooms. So Zach has an office in there. We have a broadcast production room set up with all of our computers and casting equipment. Uh, our broadcast analyst desk is in there. So we want to make sure to add that part, that component too. It's got some restrooms. So, so yeah, it's, it's new for us this year, but it's a renovated space. And I'll tell you right now, we're already outgrowing it. It's got, oh, a, wow. sta it's got a stage in it for our competitions. It's made to host spectator events, okay. um, which is unique for us because that was something big. We want to be able to host events in it. We didn't want to just have this esports arena that's really just a computer lab, right? right? A lot of schools will make this arena, but it's really just a room that has a bunch of computers and it's not made to host events. We wanted to make sure that we left room for spectators and we can have up to, I think it's like 75 spectators in this space. So not a huge event, but for esports, that's fine. That is pretty big. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it's good. It's a good space for us to have. And so we have that. We have 20 PCs in there, uh, 12 on the stage, an additional three on one side for, for, that have hooked up to a screen for VOD review. We've also got another bank of five computers for extra practice space. We've got three Nintendo Switches for us, our Smash team. We've got couches and tables in there for just students to come in there and hang out to develop this community space for them to feel welcome between classes, after classes, before practice, practice, after practice, to just hang out. You know, we love building this community and offering students this chance to just come be around like-minded people before COVID hit. And now we're like six feet apart for everything. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's a new space for us. We haven't officially had the grand opening because it was, oh, supposed, no. to, it was supposed to be on April 3rd at 4 PM. I have that like the back of my hand too. <laughs> we we're going to have people from like team liquid there. We had people from the Washington justice. were going to be there. You know, we had a great plan for this big grand opening. And of course with COVID we had to postpone, I guess. And we're looking at maybe sometime this fall. So we're in it, we're competing in it. It's not, 100% finished, but it's functional at this point. You know, we're working on the aesthetics of it and where we can put new things to make it look cool and flashy. So when we bring recruits in there, they just get blown away. But it's a great space. It's very functional. It's really good for what we have. The students, I talk to them on, on Discord and they, they just miss it. They miss it being in the arena because it was something that was so unique for them. Something right. that, you know, they just didn't expect when coming to a school and being involved in gaming. They're like, oh my gosh, this is, it's beyond what they could have imagined. And so we're really proud of the space. We love it. 
Um, it's certainly got some things that we have to fix and work on. But I mean, we're, we're very fortunate to be at a place that we were able to do this and the university supported the, the building of an arena that's actually also a mobile arena that we can break down and take on the road and run events on the road so that our students get the experience of running events where we can break down some of the equipment, take our computers on the road, which is not ideal. Zach can tell you all about that. But we can take our computers, set them up in another space, run an event, break everything down again and bring it back. So it's really cool that our students get that opportunity to, and we actually did this a a few times, take students on the road to run events uh, with us, set up everything, do all the networking that's required, set up all the computers, set up all the desks, set up the scaffolding, hanging TVs and lights and fog machines to make a cool experience on the road. So we have the ability to run events really anywhere that we can drive to. So, so yeah, we, it's a great space. It's a little small, but, and we're outgrowing it, but that's a good problem to have for us. Zach, you want to talk about kind of your, your experience getting, cause Zach's our, Zach's our tech guy. I mean, he, he knows the technical side inside now. He knows the power that we need, the requirements that we need. So he can tell you about what we had to do for, for that side of it. Okay. Yeah, it was a really, really interesting experience kind of designing the arena, especially working with uh, our physical plant. And then we had an outside contractor that was doing the design for the stage and all the technical equipment and having to kind of coordinate between, you know, the two parties and getting all that organized was a very interesting experience. Uh, It ended up turning out better than better than I expected. So I'm really happy with that. But, um, you know, one thing I kind of want to touch on, Joey mentioned how the students are just they miss the arena and they're really sad they can't get back in there. Something popped up in the Discord recently. It's uh, They registered a website. I think it w- might have been like suesports.com or something where they just have our logo and a big timer that says days since we lost the arena. And it's a countdown since <laughs> we got shut down for COVID. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like Joey said, we're outgrowing the space fast. We started to notice that pretty early on in the semester where, you know, <laughs> we barely had enough computers to fit just the teams that were practicing. And then we've got 15, 20 other students sitting around who just want to get in there and game or just hang out. Um, so, right. you know, really fortunate to have that kind of space. But, um, you know, like you said, we're already outgrowing that, which is, which is a really cool and awesome problem to have, but, right. still a problem. so, you know, we got to figure a out a solution for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just been, it's really cool. It's, it's made, my job and I think Joey's job a lot cooler too because you go into work, you know, you expect to go sit down in a boring old office or whatever. But you, you, when you go into work and your office is a big esports arena and it's just bustling with life with these students just hanging out, gaming, yelling at the monitors, having a good time. You know, it just it makes coming into work just awesome. It makes it really, really cool. That that is awesome. What do you guys foresee in the future uh, as far as growth? How, are you going to add like a land center or? like break down one of the walls and then add another part to the arena. <laughs> Man, I wish we could. I, I hope, I, I don't know. I don't know. As far as like growing <laughs> from this arena, Zach said, it's a, it's, it's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. We got to find a solution. And it was funny. Uh, our university president came and kind of took a tour with us <clears throat> um, a couple months ago to see, you know, the progress of the arena. And I just kind of in a side comment, I was like, you know, we're outgrowing the space already. She's like, don't even say that. Don't even say <laughs> we just got, we're, we're not even done building this for you. Don't even say you need a new space yet. I was like, okay, I'm just letting you know right now that we're going to outgrow this because, you know, like I said, we're two years into this and the major is only one year old. And so we had 21 majors last year. We're adding another 16 next year at least. And that we foresee a lot of growth even on the academic major where their students are going to come down to be in the arena, to be around these people, to understand how this all works. We're going to outgrow this really quickly. I mean, and so I don't know what the plan is. The, art, the part of the building that we're in, we can knock down some walls, but the rest of that building is kind of 
earmarked for some virtual reality, some makerspace, some entrepreneurship ideas, a lot of computer lab space. So we're hoping when that gets done, the rest of that armory gets built out, that we're at least able to use some of those computer labs for our practice times or just recreational gaming and use kind of our arena for more official or sanctioned matches or competitions and whatnot. So we'll make do with what we have. I mean, we'll suffer through, oh darn, <laughs> um, having this brand new esports arena. But yeah, we're, we're, we're saying looking at it because we're going to grow a lot. There's no doubt about it. And, and so Zach mentioned about 40 people. We're at a couple of games. So we're probably going to be up to close to 50 um, for varsity wow. players next year. Um, the academic major, I anticipate us having uh, on any four-year snapshot, having around 80 students studying esports. Um, at SU, and that's just physical. Online, we'll probably have another 150 to 200 people online at various oh. stages. Um, and so, so yeah, we're, we're growing really well. Um, we're putting out what we're doing. We're, we're starting to, to get students that are graduating, placing them into internships and jobs, and that's only going to fuel more people coming because they're seeing what we're able to do. And we have a lot of international partnerships, so we're working with schools around the world right now to continue having these experiences. We were able to go to South Korea back in December when it was still safe to do that. Um, to work in an international esports event out there with 10 of our students. Um, you know, we're offering experiences that students just can't get other places, and people are starting to see that, and so we're growing. Um, and, yeah, we got to figure out what, nulls, what, what walls we can knock down and utilize other spaces because we're growing at a quick rate, and it's a great problem to have, but still a problem we got to find a solution to at some point. Right. I mean, that's, that's awesome, man. So there's a, one of our partners, they're actually in the works of doing a global collegiate um, conference He's calling it an alliance okay. where they're going to have like, the idea is to have 10 different countries and the top colleges and universities from those countries compete at a higher level to bring them here to the United States to compete in the, an actual physical location. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love that idea. But like having, having an arena, right? Like yours just opens up the possibility of having, you know, hosting that or because a lot of colleges don't, haven't done what you guys have done and built an actual arena. They build computer labs. Yeah, that's about yeah. it. Right? But, but not that. Yeah, not that. Not they're not ready for these spectators. And you know, oh. I mentioned that. I mentioned that mobile part of it. We have a large basketball arena that's pretty new on our campus as well. It's only two or three years old. That we were set to host some high, major high school tournaments, some state championships for esports in our in Virginia. Uh, we were set to host that back in January, not this year, but yeah, January of this year before COVID hit. But of course, we had snow that day, so buses oh. couldn't run, so we had to postpone <laughs> it. So we were going to host it in May and then COVID hit. So we had to postpone again. So we're set to host next December, the state championships where we can have up to 5,000 people in that space. And we get large compute. We get large screens for spectator viewing experiences. We bring all our computers. We rent out extra computers for practice spaces, competition areas, have vendors come in. We have, you know, food trucks set up outside. So yeah, I mean, we, we have a smaller space that's dedicated for esports 24 seven on our campus in the arena. But we also have that ability to take our stuff up to our basketball, our athletic center, and host major events up there if need right. be. So I like having that versatility. That is pretty cool. It's cool that you, you guys planned that out and thought about that. Yeah. Okay. So for your guys' arena, did you guys, did you guys set up a dedicated uh, network for your arena? Or are you just kind of like uh, bumming off the main network that everybody, the, the, whole, univer- the whole university is using? Back. Uh, I know we are still connected to the main network. We don't have our own dedicated private, but I want to say that just from how fast the internet can be there, I think we might have some dedicated bandwidth reserved for us, but we're still on the main Shenandoah network because when you connect, it's still the same network address and everything. 
I was, uh, I was actually talking to a university not too long ago and they didn't have a dedicated network and they had three top tier apex players that were in the qualifiers for the global uh, series. And the first match they didn't have, since they didn't have a network and, you know, a good connection, the first match, one of their players uh, just got disconnected. Oh man. The second match, two of their players got disconnected and they got kicked out of the qualifiers. I was like, no. <laughs> oh man. And, so uh. they, and they, they just said like everybody in the whole room could just tell what just happened. Cause nobody said anything. It was really quiet and they were, you know, upset. And yeah, that's, that's tough. And Zach, we haven't had any major issues like that. Have we? I mean, from, from what I've seen, it's been, it's been pretty good. Even with all 20 computers running at once, it's still been all right. Hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, we've had you know oh, yeah. the arena full of people gaming, and and we're we're pretty um, we we like to keep pretty laissez-faire policy in the arena because we want it to feel like a comfortable space where you can come hang out and kind of make it your own. So we're not super strict on what you download on the computer. So you know people come and download Spotify or download different games. So we'll have twenty kids in there. Some people downloading new games. They all like to play Gary's Mod, which gets really freaking hilarious to, sing the, <laughs> to them play Trouble in Terrorist Town. But uh, yeah, even with all that activity, I've never had an instance in where people are complaining about lag or we've had disconnection issues. So it's been it's been good and stable. You know, fingers crossed. And I know, not knock on wood. wood. Yeah. <laughs> all right. What's so when you guys were starting out the whole program, what was some of the problems that you guys encountered uh, to to the actual before it actually got approved and you know the whole program got started? Um, you know, a lot of the problems are very similar to other schools, and that's support you know support and acceptance of having this this esports program when you know there are a lot of other causes that you could you know funnel money into from a university standpoint and, and help with academics in a lot of ways help with student services in a lot of ways help with you know dining halls or residence halls and you know every university needs to support other areas with you know financially so people are like well why are we starting this new program in esports we can't support all our other things or improve everything else but you know it was it was really easy to kind of talk people away from that mentality with the support of the university president. Our, our president, Tracy Fitzsimmons, has been in our corner from day one, kind of pushing us, do it, grow it. You know, you, what do you need from us? Um, and of course, you know, I, I ask for things and I get, you know, they, they, they might tell me yes or no, but never hurts to ask because they are putting money other places as well. But they really understand the importance that esports can offer, the opportunity it offers for students, current and future students at SU and the community, to be honest. So some of the problems that, that we encountered were just getting people on our side. When we started, we didn't get a huge budget to start. We actually partnered with our virtual reality program. And so our whole first year of competition, we shared a space with our VR program. And so we had 14 computers in, in a space that was a great space to use, but it was still a shared space. And so we weren't actually able to go and practice and compete until at least five o'clock in the evening or on the weekends. And so we had to make sure that VR was kind of cleared out. They had, they had room to do their thing. Then they left room for us to do our thing. We had to make sure the computers were set up in a certain way and the chairs were set in a certain way. And so it, having a shared space is great financially, but not so great for a program. And so there were a lot of issues there that kind of happened. And with only 14 PCs, we really started outgrowing that quickly as well. And so it helped us get started, but I'm glad we were able to, after the first year, move into our own space, you know, from that share to our own thing. Other things that we encountered, you know, Zach mentioned we worked with a third-party provider to help us design our arena and get it going. They really had no experience designing esports arenas, which was extremely tough. Oh, wow. Um, okay. they, had, they had some positives and what they work with, and they fabricate 
like uh, conference, uh, Zach, I don't know what to call them. What, what do you trade like, shows, trade, trade shows, shows, modular yeah. trade show, you know, things. And so they were able to help us with this idea of being a mobile arena a little bit, but they really didn't have any experience. They really didn't know what esports was um, oh, or how to design esports facilities or arenas. So it was, that, that made it a little tough as that kind of alluded to earlier, going from our physical plant to this company and to what we wanted and trying to make everybody, make sure everybody's on the same page. How did you guys uh, get in I, contact with them? They were, they were, they worked with our VR program closely and we first got introduced through virtual reality and they were going to design a space for us in that first space we were in um, before we found out we were going to move into our new space. And we just kind of kept them on board because we already had the, the, some ideas with them about what we wanted. So they had already invested some work with them. And so looking back, I would maybe change that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying they did a bad job. I'm just saying they just didn't know. It was tough. Right, right. Because that's what we do, right? We yeah. build out. And then a lot, of, a lot of universities, they'll say like, hey, we'll just go with, you know, our, these people. But I'm like, they don't know anything about esports. Are you sure? Yeah. And then we have yeah. to like so, educate them like, hey, look, you really have to have people that understand esports to have esports facility. Yes, yes. So <laughs> we've had to retrofit a lot of things and make some updates. So there's no doubt that I, looking back, I would go with a company that knows esports and has done this before, has experience. So that was a big thing for us, too. And then now it's still on the academic side. It, again, it's still just getting, getting people on board, getting people to support us. There, they, you know, there, there's, a, there's a knowledge gap that, uh, that exists for esports right now. There's a level of ignorance that exists around esports and gaming in general. And I don't use that term ignorance negatively. It's not a negative word. It just means lack of knowledge. People just, they right. don't know what it is or understand how it can be used in a positive way. There's stereotypes that exist and people are like, oh, you're teaching about gaming or you're teaching them how to play video games. Like, no, I'm not teaching them how to play video games. I'm teaching <laughs> them how to work in the esports industry and go yep. beyond gaming. Um, it's like sport management back in the 70s when people thought, oh, you're teaching them how to play football. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> and so having conversations just helps to alleviate that, that level of ignorance. And so, yeah, we've had some resistance on that side of things. We've had, you know, the people kind of the old guard set in their ways that, you know, maybe don't fully support esports and I get it, you know, and that's, that's fine. I'm okay with having people that are critical of stuff like this. People that question the legitimacy of this people that might say video games just cause violence. And we're like, no, they don't. But we did stay away from the inherently really violent games. Our first couple of years, no call of duty, no CSGO. We played overwatch, but it's a very different looking FPS. So, you know, we did smaller tournaments for those games, but we didn't have an official varsity team. But looking at next year, we might now in our third year with more acceptance, Get those, get those games like CSGO or Valorant that people might to, two years ago have said, no, that's terrible. You can't do that. That looks awful. But because right. there's more acceptance now. But it takes time to kind of change that mentality. Right. Well, I mean, they kind of answered one of the questions later on too. Like, what would you do differently if you were to restart the program, right? Um, kind of answer that one. So what would you say one of the current problems that you're facing right now? Besides COVID, I mean, I get that, right? <laughs> yeah. If, if, if we were... In a pre-COVID time, what, what was one of your problems that you were facing at that time? Oh, man. Um, I'll start and then I'll let Zach go. I'll pick one. I'm going to go with, um, I'll go with diversity. Um, okay. I think diversity, um, besides being an old wooden ship, is something that we've really got to um, make sure we address diversity a lot and uh, make sure we, we offer all, all students an opportunity to just compete, um, whether they're male, female, black, white, Hispanic, Asian. We want to make sure we get a good population that that is kind of representative of Shenandoah and the Virginia communities that we're around of our students you know and we actually have a good amount of female gamers on our varsity teams I think we're like 22 percent female gamers oh, wow. um, which is higher than a lot of other programs so we're really happy about yeah. that um, I would love to have more more black players I would love to have 
more Hispanic players. And so diversity, I think, is a, is a universal issue. It's not something unique to SU at all or college or professional. It's just it's something in esports that we have to address right now. So that certainly is an issue that I would like to, to kind of get better moving forward. Zach, what do you see as, as some problems? So aside from the fact that, well, it actually kind of ties back into the space, really, the fact that we're already starting to outgrow the space. So, you know, even with the expanded scheduling capabilities and everything, I mean, it was still packed tight. And uh, for me personally, you know, coaching three games at once, that means, you know, I'm in there till midnight pretty much every day of the week and then on the weekends for competitions. So just basically have it's 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 turning into uh, an issue of space and then also, you know, me not being able to clone myself to be in multiple places at once and, and give the full attention that's necessary to all these different games. So it's just really the speed in which the program is growing, you know, it's just we're, it's hard to keep up and, and keep the amount of resources you need to keep something that like that running smoothly. Yeah. Okay. And it's also, you know, uh, students not just not wanting to leave the arena. That's not really a problem, but it kind of is because we have a set time, but you know, like, well, we're, we're gaming, we're having fun. They don't, they just don't want to go home. So, you know, there's that as do, well. Do you guys leave the arena open 24 seven or is it like clo- closing hours? Uh, we have it officially open in staff from 3 PM to midnight, which is when we have work studies on duty as the, as the lab managers to monitor everything. But I mean, a lot of the work studies that sign up for the later shifts are also, you know, prominent members of the esports community, team captains, that kind of stuff. So after it's closed, because they would have access anyway, so they could hold practices if they wanted to. Um, I'm generally fine with them if they want to keep it open longer unofficially, as long as they're taking responsibility for whatever happens. So, you know, we usually, you know, talk to players. Oh, what time did you guys leave the arena last night? Oh, 3 a.m. Like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, fine. As long as you didn't have any 8 a.m. classes, that's fine. All right. <laughs> Right, studies come first. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, have you guys had any problems with like student engagement or recruitment? No, I mean, recruiting in esports is tough anyway. Right. You know, it's trying to What's get students. Right? Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's, it's tough. And so with recruiting, again, Shenandoah is a little different. People hear about us because of our academic program a lot of times, as well as, you know, the new arena. And in fact, we have a varsity program. You know, so they, hear, they reach out to us more so than we reach out to, like, recruits coming in. And, and, again, we don't offer scholarships. We offer very unique experiences beyond just the, the scholarship part of it. And so we, I'm very clear with the people that ask about the program or people from overseas that say, hey, we have people – I had an email this morning from somebody in Spain wanted to bring Spanish kids over. And I was like, yeah, that's fine, but we don't offer scholarships. And so that a lot of times is a deal breaker for people because they want right. to make sure they got scholarships for the players coming in. And that's fine. I totally get that. And so recruiting has been, um, I don't want to say tough, because again, the students that we get, they might not be the best gamers, but they're people that really are, they're passionate about working in the industry. And we get some pretty good gamers still too. And so they reach out to us, we reach back out to them, we're very upfront with them, what we can offer to them. And so that helps a little bit, you know, when we go to, we, we, we work with high schools a lot in the state of Virginia. And so obviously when they just associate our name, Shenandoah University, with esports, they know about our brand. And so they're able to reach out to us. You know, we, we might look at, oh, this kid's kind of good. Or there's some good kids playing this game or from this school, this area. And maybe we'll reach out to them or give them our Discord information. And we'll talk to them in Discord a little bit. Um, to be honest, that's how we do a lot of things is through Discord. Um, right. You know, Be Recruited is a great website where students can reach out. I've had a couple of students in the past. I've had phone conversations with them about coming to SU and playing, but also studying esports. And so, yeah, but, but like I said, we, we get a ton of interest just from the academic program, from the fact that we're doing other things. So this year we had, I think, 52 applicants for eSports um, and about 16 of them deposited, which is about average. I think that COVID hurt that, that number a lot. I think that we could have been closer to about 30 new students if 
they were more certain that they would be coming face-to-face on campus in the fall instead of maybe up in the air about being online versus being face-to-face and uncertainty about COVID. Um, a lot of people are taking a gap year this year, to be honest, in colleges. So, yep. so I think COVID has hurt everybody a little bit on the recruiting side. But for the most part, I think we're, we're relatively healthy on that. Okay. Real quick, what kind of, what kind of PCs? I know we did we kind of skipped. What kind of PCs do you guys have? Sure. So all the PCs we have were custom built by a company called CLX, uh, designed to our specifications. Um, they're all running i7-9700Ks with uh, 2070 Supers, uh, 16 gigs of RAM, 1 terabyte M.2 SSD, um, so, and Wi-Fi support just in case, even though we're never going to use that for gaming. Um, so yeah, they, they were all custom built. It's, it's awesome. They, they did custom designs for the cases that turned out absolutely gorgeous. So we've got our logo and our colors and everything. So we just, uh, we managed to secure a pretty good partnership with them. They understood that we were looking for something long-term and not just a one-time purchase. So, you know, we've got more of a partnership than just them being our supplier. Um, so we, we get everything custom, custom built to our specifications. Was it through the NACE? The NACE partnartnership no we we uh, was that that was through it was through it was through another contact that we have our community manager it was will who hooked okay. us up with CLX, right Joey correct yeah is CLX local do you guys I don't think they know because they do blow, they, they do national stuff yeah I think yeah yeah I want to say some I, there's a few other universities I talked to that have that use CLX. Yeah, and we've, we've passed their name along to a, to a couple other schools. I don't know if it's through that kind of trickle-down effect, but yeah, we because they're a relatively new company. You're, you're the trendsetter, Joey. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, I'm not. Zach's a trendsetter on that side of things. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But we're still working with them closely because yeah, I mentioned earlier that taking our PCs on the road for our mobile events is not ideal. So now we're trying to secure 13 gaming laptops so we can use those and take those on the road instead of, <laughs> instead of these massive PCs, which are beautiful and they're awesome. And I stole one from the arena to use at home during COVID. That's what I'm using right now. And, but they're not ideal to take on the road because the bumps that you get on the road, just the wear and tear that can happen right. to the, the gaming PC or the gaming laptops is something that we've got to secure going forward. So 20, we have 20 of the, the PCs right now, three Nintendo Switches, looking to get 13 uh, laptops now. Gotcha, gotcha. What, what would you say your major strength of your program is? I think the major strength is just, I don't know, more than gaming, the beyond gaming side of things. The, the fact that we offer the experience that you can't get anywhere else for, for eSports. You know, I mentioned the varsity teams, and varsity teams are great. It's great to have a program where students can come and do what they love to do while they're in school. That provides attachment to a university. That provides a, a means of support, means of teamwork and communication. And it's, it's great. Um, we have the, the, the arena, which is a big strength of ours. Again, it's a spectator arena right there on our campus next to our business school, right by the main interest of the university. And so that's a huge strength that we're able to do that with a broadcast production room so that we can teach our students that side of the industry that is such a critical side of, for them to understand of the industry. And then the academic side. I think that, you know, we have a really great program. We were able to hire a fantastic main instructor of esports to help us teach these classes. And we, we just hired an additional part-time and two adjunct faculty. And one of those adjuncts is, is, works, is, one of the, is, in, is in charge of the Washington Justice. So our students are going to be able to actually learn from somebody that is one of the top people in the field of professional esports. You know, you can't get that experience in other places. We take international trips, these international collaborations we have with other universities. You don't get other places. So I think our, the strength of our program lies in the diversity of our program. Not in racial and gender diversity. I already mentioned we got to work on that. Right. But the diversity of what we offer for esports and that any student that comes to SU, 
that is interested in some the esports in general, whether it's right. participating and playing, whether it's the broadcast side, whether it's just studying it to work event management. We have a spot for everybody at Shenandoah, and we're going to support them and get them to be successful in whatever their next endeavor is going to be. And then, you know, for competitive teams, I'll let Zach talk about that. What do you, what the strengths are on the competitive side? Sure. So, you know, like Joey mentioned before, one of the things that we aim to do is give an opportunity for anybody who wants to come in games. So as long as we have the resources to support it, if you try out for a team, let's say you're not good enough to make, you know, starter on, on the primary team, we'll put a team together for you, whether it's varsity and coached by me or whether it's, you know, a club team or whether we find a volunteer, you know, student volunteer or somebody else who wants to come in and coach the team, we're going to find an opportunity for you to be able to play and improve your skills. So what that ends up leading to, which I think is really the biggest strength one of the bigger strengths is the sense of community that we have between the students is absolutely fantastic. It's, it's amazing the bond that these students have formed and it trickles down through all aspects of the program, not only in person, but like even like the discord, they'll self-regulate on discord. They're very welcoming, but they're also very respectful. Like we had an issue with somebody who came in and, and wasn't behaving appropriately and Joey and I barely had to get involved. The students were there to say, look, you know, this isn't cool. Here's how we behave. So there's just this really strong sense of community bond that the students have, and that really anchors them to the program. And we even see it, like we'll have students come in and visit for the first time. We're thinking about coming somewhere, and they always walk away with this huge smile. Like You can just tell they found a group of people that they want to hang out with, and they just want to come back and spend more time there. Right. I love, I love that aspect. Of, it kind of fights the stereotype of gamers, right? Yeah, just, absolutely. Just that aspect of it, which is great. And the esports industry needs that. The collegiate side needs that really, really, really hard right now. Absolutely. Okay, so on the flip side of that question, though, what would you say? Oh, and this is a, this is a really hard question for a lot of everybody to answer. What would you say a major weakness of your program is? Besides diversity, all right, Joe, you already yeah. said that, all right? Yeah, I won't, I won't go with that one. Um, <laughs> I would say that something that we need to focus on more this year is kind of our streaming and our social media presence. We, we've got to get more organized there. You know, we, we had some work studies kind of starting at last year. You know, some of them to varying degrees of success. Um, some moved on to work in other things, content creation, and we had some great content creation, but then the social media side suffered a little bit. And so I think just, just solidifying our broadcast production is something we've got to work on this year. We were really getting going on that side of things before COVID hit. We had just got our analyst desk in, so we were getting set up for it. And then, like I said, everything just kind of stopped. So, I th so it'll come. So it's a weakness right now, but only because we haven't had a chance to really get in there and, and get it set up yet. But us, our social media presence has to be there. We have to be a presence on social media every day. We, I want to produce content on our Twitch feeds every single day you know, just something on there. And, and Zach's well aware of that too. And he's on board with that. And we're going to get our work study students really involved in that this year. So I think that's something that's kind of been lacking from our program is just that kind of online social media and content streaming presence. Right. Um, to me, that's that, that right now is our biggest weakness. Uh, Zach? Yeah, I would actually agree. And, that, and that's kind of, the, that's one of my big goals for the next, for this upcoming year is to really get that off the ground. Something I've been trying to push for and trying to get interested in was being more consistent with the streaming. What I've wanted from day one is some sort of consistent streaming schedule and like a crew to cast specific games and just get everything kind of rolling, make it kind of an auto-manage, like here's your job, you just go in and then it kind of runs itself with our oversight. And I think getting that experience is, is really huge because that's a really where most of the money comes in from esports, right? Through that yeah. marketing, through the online content creation and whatnot. So I think right. that's a huge, important part. And with the facilities that we have, we have a unique opportunity to offer that experience to students that, yeah, you might be able to go to another school and sit down at a computer lab and, you know, broadcast in front of a webcam, 
but you're not going to have the ability to sit down with a full production crew with high quality cameras and, you know, a director running the show and everything and people doing the scene transitions. And then the casters just have to sit there and talk on camera. So I, I think we need to really leverage that strength and, and really, really work on that this upcoming year. Interesting. Okay. All right. So for your guys' arena, using round numbers, I don't need exact numbers, right? Uh, how much do you think it cost for the whole build out? And I know you went in stages because you went through the VR side first, right? right. Uh, do you have, do you remember that price to set up that or was it just borrowing computers at that time? Well, I'm going to say for esports, we just, we split computers. So we bought six computers and VR or we had like seven computers and VR had the other computers. So, you know, for that one, you're talking probably, let's just say $3,000 a setup, seven computers, you're talking to, you know, $20,000 or so. Okay. And then um, for the arena? Yeah, and then for moving into the new space, um, round numbers, including the stage and everything, installing the new HVAC system that we had in there. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that was a big undertaking. Running fiber from the business school down to the new arena was a big undertaking. I had no idea what cost the amount <laughs> it did for running fiber, which we'll use for the rest of the building when it gets built right. out. So it's not just esports fault. I keep telling our <laughs> VP of finance that. Round number, I'm going to put it at about 150,000, 150 to 200,000. Oh, that's not bad. Okay. Yeah. I was no, thinking, with the, once you mentioned the HVAC and the, the fiber, I was like, oh, man, it has to get to the millions on this one. All right. No, no, oh, no, 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 right. no. I would have been in big trouble if it got to the millions. <laughs> I would have been, yeah, I, I would have been on the side of the street trying to find some money some other way, doing some car washes or something. I don't know. No, so it really wasn't bad. And that, that doesn't include yeah. all the equipment that we have in there. The, the Then we have the extra computers that we have in there. So you're looking at another you know, whatever, 80,000 or whatever it's going to cost, 60 to 80,000. Yeah. Um, but the build out itself is around 150 to 200. What, what are you guys anticipating for like the, the yearly, like reoccurring payments? Like, you know, those kind those costs, how much, how much do you think you're going to be spending on average? Not a lot, not a lot, to be honest. You know, the biggest cost that we have every single year is our membership to NACE. Uh, a NACE membership is okay. $2,500 a year. And so that gets us a lot of competition. It gets us all the competition we need for the year, need to pay for. Um, you know, TESPA is free. Um, CSL is free. Um, so, so a lot of other things are, are okay. So th that's the biggest part of our budget, or not the biggest, but it's a big chunk of our budget, goes towards membership for, for NACE. The other stuff is just maintenance. You know, make, make sure we're maintaining all the computers, all the equipment that we have. You know, we always come up with things like, oh, we need to buy some extra lights for in here. We need to buy some extra foam padding for the broadcast room oh, we need to get another PC to help with the streaming side of things, you know? So it's right. just maintaining what we already have. Um, so you're looking at a yearly, a yearly budget of somewhere, uh, I mean, for, for, for what we have, anywhere between a total of 8,000 to 15,000. It's really all you need, which is not much compared to like what other sports do or the athletic right. department. I mean, it's a big upfront cost for a lot of, these, a lot of this equipment. Um, but as long as you just have, you kind of maintain it and you put the right parts in at the beginning, they'll last you for a lot longer instead of upgrading every year, every two years. Right. So you're looking at eight to 15,000 for a si for a program our size is plenty for us. Okay. Oh, Grant came on early. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, all right. So real quick, so getting down to the last few questions, what's the hardest part of your guys' jobs? Time. I think, I think time is, is a big one for us, making sure that we're there for all the students and all the teams and accommodating everybody that we've got. I think time is, is really tough. Um, there's a reason I said I've got to hire some people going into year two. 
Um, I just wasn't able to do it on my own with just volunteers anymore. I had to pay these people for all the time they were putting in. So it just takes a lot of time to do this. It's a project of passion. So I would say that's the biggest, the hardest part of the job. Okay. Zach, what's yours? Yeah, I would agree 100% with Joey. It's just the time, finding the time to do everything and be involved in everything and give all the students the attention that they deserve. And for me, one of the biggest personal struggles I had was dealing with uh, some interpersonal issues that some players had on one of our teams, just kind of trying to deal with, you know, uh, not to really diminish it, but, you know, college kid drama kind of stuff and letting right. stuff interfere that shouldn't interfere with it and trying to, you know, help coach these kids through that and just get a conversation going. So that, that was an interesting ongoing struggle. It, it ended up working out and everything's resolved and cool, but that was something that was an interesting challenge that I kind of expected going into the job, but, you know, until you're actually sitting there dealing with it, you don't, <laughs> really, you don't really realize how much time it can consume. Yeah. Um, the perks of coaching. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. And then on the flip side, question to that, what's the funnest part of your guys' job? Man, every day. Every day is fun. I mean, it's like Zach said earlier, being in the arena, I, mean, I don't even go to my office anymore. I just go sit in the arena now because it's so much more fun and such a cooler space than my office. So, so no, that part is, it's, I mean, we're involved in gaming. My, my job is to go in and talk about esports and sports every day. And so it's, it's just being involved in that space. And I love watching video games. I competed mostly when I was in college. But now these days, I love watching video games. I love watching kids be passionate about what they're doing. So I think just the everyday grind is so much fun. It's a lot of time, but man, it's a lot of fun too. Okay. Yeah, and I agree. It's just, it's amazing being able to go into work and my job is to talk about video games and, and help these, help these uh, students get better at gaming. I mean, it's basically... What, I, what I've been doing since I was 15 years old online competing and whatnot, you know, running clans and stuff like that, competing on online ladders, it's the same thing, but now it's my job and I'm getting paid for it. And I get to see these people in person, like walking into the arena and seeing all the faces light up and say, coach, yo, what's up, coach? It's, you know, it's great. It's awesome. And just, <laughs> just seeing the joy that we're able to provide to these students. Like, I remember once we had first finished, really kind of finished the arena, we got most of the internal decorating done and we just, it was packed. I'd say there was probably 30 or 35 students in there. It was around like seven or eight o'clock at night. You know, I walked in, looked and just just the buzz that was there, all the computers were filled up, everybody's laughing, having a good time. And I just kind of stopped and took it in was like, look at all these happy gamers. <laughs> this makes all of it worth it. That's awesome. Well, I, hey guys, I appreciate you guys so much for jumping in. Real quick, I want you guys to do your little, your pitch. Joey, I, I honestly, I thought you already said your pitch earlier. I was like, Dan, this is a, this is a good segue <laughs> earlier when you are talking about your guys' arena and everything. I was like, okay, this is nice. Yeah. But, uh, officially, you know, <laughs> I want to give you some time to, to uh, do your pitch. Yeah, it, it kind of goes back to it. You know, at Shenandoah, esports goes beyond gaming. Uh, we're so much more than just, than just gaming. We, we are holistic. We want the, the college experience and offer an opportunity to do what students love through competitive gaming, through just being involved in our arena and our broadcast production team, through studying esports and learning about it having unique experiences that you can't get at other universities anywhere else in the world, to be honest. Uh, this is a unique place that is a really special place that offers this chance to just be involved in what students love and to go, again, beyond gaming. We know we're not being prepared to be professional gamers. Not everybody can be a professional gamer, but everybody can, can do what they love and be involved in esports at the level they want to be involved. And so, you know, we offer opportunities for every student and we welcome every student, no matter skill level, interest level, uh, what they want to do. We have a spot for everybody at Shenandoah. 
uh, in esports and gaming. And, and we developed this community and we just uh, want to make sure that we have the opportunity to reach everybody and provide a chance for them to do what they love while they're in school. Thank you for joining us on to today's podcast. If you found the information valuable, please all I ask is for you to share it with everyone and anyone. If you want to have a conversation as to how you can also have an esports program at your institution, please hit me up, Deron at esportsapply.com. And until next time, stay motivated.